So welcome everyone. I am very excited about our guest today, Michael Atterbury. And he actually is very inspirational. He helps teens and adults with the aspiration and inspiration to be better. And he's the author of the book, Be Encouraged, 250 Days of Motivation and Encouragement. And it sounds like a great book. And he received several awards, such as the USA Network's Characters Unite Award for Exceptional Commitment to Combating Prejudice and Discrimination While Increasing Tolerance and Acceptance Within the Community. He's also the recipient of the 100 Men of Color Award for Leadership in Education, Government Mentorship, Entrepreneurial Success, um, and Community Service. And he's awarded the Educator of the Year Award for the Youth Community Outreach Program. So I think that Michael has such an amazing message that I think is going to be especially powerful for us right now. And I have to read one quote uh, from you, Michael, before I introduce you. I love this quote that I found on your website. You said, I help people to use what they have gone through to get to their breakthrough. I walk my audience through the effects of their past and present trauma, including the most recent impact of, of societal's imbalance. And I think that's really powerful. My audience is an audience who has uh, the trait of high sensitivity. So we tend to be quite challenged uh, in a, you know, living in a world that isn't set up for a sensitive system. And just considering everything that's going on in the world, I think your message about resiliency is very powerful. So welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. I, you know, <laughs> affirmation is crazy. Even, you know, you hear those things and it still feels good. I mean, I, I've probably been on so many podcasts. You know, I feel like a, a teenager when you're saying that. I'm like, wow, is that me? Is that really me? But anyway, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You absolutely you. should, and you deserve to feel that. You. I yeah. mean, I think it's... I, I have always found that the most powerful um, and motivational people in the world are people who have gone through something difficult and, and have used that, the strength and resiliency that's come out of that to share with others. So I think that you have such, you've done such powerful things and I, I think that you will really uh, help a lot of people. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. I really appreciate that. So yeah. you want me to tell tell a little about myself? Yeah, tell us a little bit about you and what do you, you know, really just kind of thinking, uh, what do you want the audience to walk away with today and how can we benefit from what you teach and share? Okay, so so I, I have an interesting start um, and I want to tell a story to tell my story. How's that sound? Is that, that all right with great. you? Stories okay. are a good thing. <laughs> all right. So it's, it's about a farmer and a donkey, Julie. All right. And this donkey is one of his favorite farm animals, because once he finishes working with the donkey on the farm, he brings the donkey back to his home and he allows his kids to play with the donkey. So imagine he comes down the driveway, the donkey's with him. They run out the house. They come out, they wash him, they ride him. And then when they're finished, they go in to eat, get ready for bed. And he sends them back out into the farm. One night he brings them home. They do their thing. He releases him out to the farm, but the following morning when he comes out, he whistles for the donkey, and the donkey doesn't show. So now he's concerned. So he starts walking around the farm. He's calling his name. He finally finds him at the bottom of an empty water well, Julie. During the night while he was wandering, he fell into the well, and he couldn't get out. Mm. So when the farmer comes over to the well and he looks down, of course he wants to get him out. 
So he goes and gets six of his friends. They come over to the well. They look in. And they're trying to decide how they're going to get him out. So one of them suggested that they get some rope and they pull him out. So they all get rope and they start lassoing the donkey. They throw the rope, they miss. They throw the rope, they miss. They finally throw it by his hind legs. He steps into the rope. They shimmy it up his body and they start to pull. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. They pull the donkey moves. Then halfway up the well, they realize, Julie, that the donkey's too heavy. So they lower him back to the bottom of the well, and now the farmer has to make a grim decision. Now, see, he can't feed him food at the bottom of the well because that wouldn't make any sense. He really can't starve him because, like I said, he's more like a pet, so he, he really doesn't want to do that. Then one of his hot-headed friends was like, hey, just shoot him. He's like, no, that's too violent. So one of his more reasonable friends whispered in his ear. He said, listen, you don't want your kids to fall into the well. You're going to have to sacrifice your donkey, but we got to make sure your kids are safe. So they decided that they're going to cover him with dirt. So they all got shovels and they start shoveling dirt into the well. And every time that dirt hit the donkey, he would scream. Every time he would scream, it would cause the farmer some distress. So you got dirt, scream, dirt, scream, dirt, scream. Then all of a sudden, Julie, the scream stopped. When the scream stopped, they gave the donkey a moment of silence, but they kept going to work. More dirt, more dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, you see the donkey's right here. More dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, you see half the donkey's body. More dirt, more dirt. The next thing you know, the donkey walks right out of the well that he fell into. Now, check this out, Julie. Every time that dirt came across the wall, it would fall on the donkey's back. He would shake it off, and he would step on it. And he took every scoop of dirt that was meant to kill him to save his life. Now, check this out, Julie. I am the donkey. And what I mean by that is the fact that I grew up in a home with a raging alcoholic father. Now, I put raging in the front of it because he wasn't just a drunk. He was raging, and he raged from the time I was born until the time he died when I was 16. So going throughout my day, I could get caught up and having fun or whatever, but always during the day, something would tap me on my shoulder and remind me, hey, buddy, don't you get too excited because you got to go home tonight. On top of living in a house with a raging alcoholic father, I grew up in poverty. Both my parents worked full time. If they both were adding money to the house, we would have been okay. But my dad spent his money on drinking. He was a bus driver. My mom was a housekeeper. So my mother was raising four kids with a housekeeping salary. So you're talking about poverty. We lived in poverty. On top of living in poverty, if you have an alcoholic father who is the head of your household, the dysfunction is bananas, capital D, to dysfunction. My siblings tried their best, but they could only help me as much as they were being helped. You know what I'm saying? And then in my neighborhood, you would hope that you had some glimmer of light. But my neighborhood was infested by dysfunctional families. So what did we do? We fed off of each other. So you had crime. You had addiction. You had all of those things happening. But the silver lining of that story is I've been able to take my scars and my wounds. And like you said in the beginning, that is what I use, Julie, 
to help others to walk through their path. So when I wrote that in my book, I'm thinking about the donkey and the dirt and all of that because that's that's my mission. That's what I try to do. Yeah, wow. What a powerful story. I actually got I got tears in my eyes listening to that story. Uh, it's so powerful and in just so many ways. This concept that you're talking about, about being able to really overcome and to... I, I've really been fascinating with this lately, just thinking about that, like what made you be able to, what do you think makes someone be able to, to take all the challenges and the trauma of what they've been experiencing in their life and turn it into something? And what's, what makes that hard for somebody else? So like, why did you have that? I kind of call it a little spark inside you. You know, you had right. a spark inside you that, that helped you. You know, um, I did two things. The first thing that I did is uh, I was I had a creative mind. So what I did is I created the traditional family. Now, I was an elite athlete, so my mom got me into sports to get me out of the craziness. So I played basketball, baseball, football, and soccer from the age of eight until I graduated high school. I used the sports to escape, so I was really good at it. But what I did with the sport teams is I created a traditional family. So my coaches became my dad. So they would be my father figures. My teammates would be my brothers and sisters. And then the accolades I got from being good would be what you would get when you came home from home and, hey, dad, hi, mom. And so I was able to go through all of that craziness and not be touched because of the fact that I had that traditional peace in my mind. But there's a secret sauce. I don't tell too many people this, but I'm going to tell you. When I was about 10 years old, I fell asleep. My house that I lived in in the winter would rarely have heat. My mom used to boil water on the stove and use vapors to kind of keep the house warm. But, Julie, I was falling asleep and I was crying. And I promised myself that when my children were born, they would never have to live like I was living. And so during life, any time that it really got rough, my unborn children became my motivation to be successful. Wow. God, you're going to get me crying through this whole thing. <laughs> That's so powerful. Wow. That is really powerful. There was, there was a knowing inside of you that you were connecting to. Yeah. And it was like you had, you had made the decision. And, and it was like that making that decision, there's a couple aspects to that, isn't there? There's the making the decision and then there's the taking action. Yeah. And you yeah. did that. And I honestly think that the most powerful leaders in the world, the most powerful storytellers, everything that you're doing as in motivation to help teens and, and adults, there is nothing more powerful than sharing a story like yours that, that is like, you know what that is like to live, to, to be in the bottom of that well, like that donkey. You're, you're aware of what that experience was like for you. And there was something inside of you that, that kept pushing. And to be able to use that as part of your gifts now, I mean, that is, that's incredible. Yeah, you know, it's humbling. It's humbling, you know what I mean? But it, it is the driving force. And, you know, I, 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 what I don't want people to think is because I came from the well, I only identify with well people. It's not. So so I connect deeply to a person that's gone through pain because I can sense it. You know, we, we, we give off the same energy. We speak the same language. So you can drop something and it's cold, 
Most people won't catch it, but a well person would be like, hey, I heard what she said. But at the same time, you know, when I go into a school, you know, the honor roll student who lives in a, in a home with the silver spoon, you know, I think they relate because they relate to the fact that they become appreciative of what they have. But then they appreciate me because, wow, I have this. This is how I'm living. But he didn't have all of that, and he was still able to move forward to yeah. make progress. That's powerful. It, it kind of reminds me of a story that I share sometimes about the concept, because I think as as a person who has such high sensitivity, I have a trait of high sensitivity that that in my past, I had a lot of anxiety and depression, a lot of challenges, you know, lived in some really dark places in my life. And it is it is from that that that, that spark rises in me to, to be able to help others. And I believe that what you're like, your story that you're sharing is like this concept of that we're all trying to sort of get to the top of this mountain uh, in life. And some people are dropped off close to the top of the mountain. Some people are dropped off at the bottom of the mountain. And some people are way far away from the mountain. And we've got like bags and stuff to carry through the mud just to get to the mountain. And that's all the challenges and trauma that we may have experienced in our, in our childhood or in our lifetimes. And but I believe, and I see this over and over again, that those of us that had to go through that journey, by the time we get to the mountain, we're strong. Because yeah. we've been carrying those bags in that mud. And to be able to walk up that mountain, it's like we're faster and stronger because we had that journey. You, you agree with that? Yes, yes, yes. You know, and I, and I agree that, um, you know, I, I feel like, and this is something that your listeners can think about, especially when anxiety kind of sets in and it, you know fear is paralyzing you know that and um you know i deal with a lot of teenagers that deal with anxiety and 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 so i i i can't say i understand it because i've never dealt with it but i've watched it paralyze them but when it you ever feel like it has you stuck in the mud there's a person out there that's going to benefit from you getting unstuck so what you have to remember is if I can get my feet out of the mud, there's a person in the world that is waiting for me to do it. So not only will I benefit, that person will benefit. And then what, to, what makes you move even faster is that if you don't do it, that person's going to miss out. Yeah. So get your feet out of the mud, get moving, because there's a person waiting for you to overcome your personal challenge. Oh, I love that so much. That that that's just so beautiful to think about. I completely agree with you. I think that, um, I th and I think it's the people who have struggled a lot, who who have a lot to give the world in general to to help your family, your community, your world. You know, to be able to be some of the people that make change in the world. I think some of the most passionate people who feel the deepest are the ones who make the most powerful changes in the world. Well, we got to get out of the mud to do that, right? We got to get into a place where we can have extra so that we can live in balance ourselves, but then be able to do more in the world like you're doing. I mean, I think about, you talked about the, the coaches and, and the team, and I was even picturing like they might've been there a little bit once in a while to, you know, give you a hand to help you over some of the, some of that really deep mud. And you now, are doing that for others. You're you're reaching in and sort of helping people a little bit, maybe to pull them out of the mud if they're having if they're getting stuck, or to help them a little bit. And 
it's such a powerful thing to be able to to be that kind of a human in the world. Yeah, you know, um, and for me, I call, I have two biological children, obviously, you know, but the kids that I meet in my work are my surrogate children. So when your child comes to my group, you have no understanding that when they come to me, I treat them like they're my own, you know, and with social media, you know, the way it's set up, I, I get to keep my hands on them once I leave them. You know, I see about 2,500 to 3,000 teenagers a year. Wow. Um, and so, you know, with social media, I can go and keep doing my travels. But if somebody has an issue, they can send me a message um, and we can correspond and stay connected. But, yes, it's it's it's, um, you know, we've gone through things, you and I and people of the world not for ourselves, but for ourselves, but for other people as well. Yeah. And I think the, the most powerful people have, yeah. your, you know, your, your gifts come from that, that knowing your gifts come from knowing what it's like and knowing what's needed. And I mean, there's something, there's nothing more powerful that, than that to be someone that understands what somebody else is going through. And, and to understand what it feels like to climb out of that well or to climb out of the, the mud and to be able to make those steps towards change in your life. It's a, I can see why you have won so many awards and why you are so inspirational to others. I mean, I, I, it's so interesting that you came into even my knowing because I feel like at this stage, I've been thinking a lot about that, about what makes people thrive in the world, what makes people move out of, I call it sort of survival mode, barely getting through the day into a place of thriving. And to me, thriving is about what you're doing. You're, you are using what you have inside of you to really help others. I mean, you're probably really changing people's lives and, and altering their paths in life because you're there for them. And that's such a powerful thing to, to be that kind of a person in the world. You ever just like, does that just sink in with you sometimes when you think about that? Well, you know, listen, um, my, my dream was to be a professional athlete. So I was a, a football player and, you know, I tried out for professional football. I didn't make it. Um, I carried it around with me for a while. I finally was able to pack it away and, and you know, move on with my life. Because um, I was starting to do things with the youth and I could see change. Now, I'm telling you this because one day I was at a light after one of my sessions and um, I got overwhelmed. The session was so deep and I'm running through my mind all the things that these young people put on the table. And I started to tear up and I thought about million dollar contracts compared to the information I heard in that room. And the money could not even touch it, Julie. You know, having all that money, being in, in the limelight, compared to what I had experienced in that room, I would give up a contract to play professional football every time. So, you know, when I reflect back over my life and I see the lives that I've touched, you know, people say, well, how do you, how, what does success mean to you? And for me, success is seeing a person take what I've said to them, apply it, and have success in their lives. So it's not for me. It's it's seeing that teenager. You know, I had a young lady who um, 
four generations, no one had ever graduated high school. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's crazy. And when she dropped it on the group, I'm like, wow. And so I said, you know what? All right. And I grabbed her, meaning when I left, I leave the groups. I don't really entangle myself into their lives unless they bring me in. But I made it my purpose. She was in ninth grade, and I made sure that I kept a handle on her. Um, and she graduated, you know. And, and, and I'm, I'm in the audience. I'm crying like a baby. <laughs> but I'm, I'm upset. Not upset. I'm emotional because when she walks across the stage to get the diploma, no one in that audience knows what it took for her to do that. I mean, I know. But none of them know that what it took for that young lady to walk across that stage to get that piece of paper, they would never even understand it. Wow. She was job- She was way far away from that mountain with lots of bags uh, to, oh, to get there. Yeah, yeah. She <laughs> had oh, that a, just uh, gave me goosebumps hearing that story. What, do you, what have you found you know, in all the work that you've done? Like, uh, and just kind of imagining that there's probably listeners out there that are struggling right now just everything that's going on in the world, racism, the pandemic, I mean, homophobia, we've got so much going on in the world right now. And um, what, have you, what do you think are, if we're thinking about the people listening that are experiencing it themselves, if you're thinking about the parents that might have teenagers, for example, going through something, what would you, what kind of message would you give them? What are, what are the first steps that can, somebody can even take to, to start change to, uh, to kind of improve things, maybe even connect with you in some way? You know, what, what, the first thing I always like to focus on is that we are products of our thought lives. Now, that is said so quickly, people may hear it, but you have to really digest and understand that. You have total control of what you allow in your brain and what you kick out. If you allow something negative to come into your brain and plant itself, it will germinate and grow just like a seed. So you have to live a conscious life and be aware of information that comes and only hold on to what you want and get rid of what you don't want. Because I use a tag that I use. It's called be the driver of your car and not the passenger. Of oh, I love that so much. Yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes. You know, and what I mean by that is we go through life, Julie, and, you know, I use the analogy of the fact that we go through life, we step on landmines, the landmine doesn't blow us up, but it causes damage. And what we start to do is we start to make decisions based on the damage rather than what's happening in real time. So what we have to do is start living in real time, make your decisions based on what's in front of you and not something that may have happened to you 10, 5, 3, 4 years ago. Yeah, I like that. How how did you learn to do that yourself to be able to it's almost like a it's like information going through a filter in a sense of being able to say am I going to hold or even the bags am I going to hold on to this? Or not? What am I going to do with this when it when I'm, you know, I've I've watched something happen in the news, or I've seen someone suffer, and or I'm suffering what I'm experiencing. Like how how do we move from a place of being stuck in that information and being wounded 
by that information or being wounded by that experience and, and to move into a place of, of shifting that and, decide, and making that decision to hold on to it or not hold on to it. Well, you know, for me, it was um, looking at examples. So, so with my family, the way I was able to keep information and get rid of it is I, t I lived in dysfunction. So I had a great example of what was the wrong way. <laughs> so anytime I saw that my life was consistent, and this sounds pretty morbid, but if it was consistent with what my family was doing, I was on the wrong path. You see what I'm saying? So as I was taking in the information, if I felt cozy, I would say, hey, hey, wait a second. If I'm feeling cozy, I'm not doing what I need to do to change. You know, one of the big things I wanted to do when I sat in the bed talking about my unborn children is I wanted to break the cycle, and I did. You see what I'm saying? You know, my, my siblings... My mother has raised every single one of her grandchildren except for mine. And so I broke the cycle by not, my kids, you know, I graduated to a better life. You see what I'm saying? So I have two stories. I have the before story and the after story. But my kids only know the after story. When I show them pictures of the house that I grew up in and bring them back to my community, they're like, Dad, you didn't live here. I'm like, yes, I did. This is where I lived almost not a majority of my life, but a lot. So what your listeners can do is look for examples of people that are going through the same thing that you're going through, but don't hold on to the ones that weren't able to pull themselves up. Find people like yourself, you know what I'm saying, and start to emulate and try to be like you. You know, like in schools, when, when I have groups of teenagers that suffer from anxiety and they start to group together, I, I warn them, you can do it for support, but you can't have this as a pity party. If you're going to come together and push each other to be better individuals, I love it. But if you guys are going to come together to just have anxiety pity parties, it's just going to make your hole deeper. So you have to surround yourself with people that have the same objective and goals that you have. Mm, that's a powerful one. They talk a lot about that, that the, we are kind of a culmination of who we spend the most time with, right? So you're, you made really conscious decisions about that for yourself. And it, it must be kind of amazing to, I bet you have moments with your children thinking about how, you know, your, all your hard work to, to climb through that mud and go up that mountain is, and how it's benefited them. And it must be kind of powerful for you to know that you have been able to do that for them. Yeah, well, you know, it's, it's humbling and, and it's real because I'll tell you, I'll sit in my living room um, and it has the, the skylights and I'm sitting on a nice sunny day. You know what I mean? Or the other day, we, we you know, when I say a pool, it's not a huge pool, but we got a nice little pool at our house. But, you know, I'll be in the pool and, and I'm like, like when I grew was growing up, you know, yeah, go to a pool. I maybe went to a pool like once or twice in the summer to a public pool. You know what I'm saying? If I got there and so I'm, I'm laying in my own pool. So it's humbling. It's humbling. Um, I never get full of myself because I can remember living in a, in the broken down house like it was yesterday. So my kids see 
humility. Um, you know, every so often they see, like, like I have a, uh, they call it, I'm a sneakerhead. So, like, I, I love sneakers. Now, <laughs> check it out, Julie. There's a reason for it. I love sneakers because my mom would buy me one pair in September, and she would say to me, listen, those sneakers better last you until June. But I learned to take care of them. And they would, I'm telling you, by June, Julie, those sneakers would be spotless. I mean, I would do my best to keep them. But what it created is a monster because now that I can go buy sneakers, my, a friend of mine made me this shelf in my garage. It's worse than Foot Locker. I'm terrible. Uh, yeah, I'm terrible. I like to match my sneakers with my clothes. And so, I mean, I have like, I have about 100 pairs of sneakers, to be honest with you. Oh, well, you know what? You deserve that. That That's like, <laughs> I think that each one of us has something like that. It's like, you know, I was thinking about, um, and, and thinking about what children experience. Sometimes I look at my children and I, I'm amazed at how like emotionally healthy they are, you know, yeah. because I was not emotionally healthy <laughs> <laughs> at that age. Yeah. And it's like amazing to, to know that, you know, our parenting can make a big difference to how our children turn out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, you, you, you make me laugh because you, you don't want to know when I was their age. I mean, you know, because I had to, you know, I lived in the, in the ghettos. So, you know, like even when we go back to my 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 neighborhood for a barbecue, this the beautiful thing and like you're saying that they get to see both worlds is I've raised them well enough that I don't have to peek around corners to see if they're handling themselves, you know. Even though that we we we're we're in a different place, they live in a home with the dad that came from there so they know how to handle themselves um when they when they go back to a place that's not similar. So yeah, I understand what you mean. Uh, you know, we we if if we would have parented the way we came up, we would have some screwed up kids, girl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, we oh, can you imagine? Yeah, I'm glad we 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 decided to make a turn. Cuz that, you turn. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been better. I mean, I keep tearing up. You're such a beautiful soul. Like really, you're just a beautiful soul in the world. I could just feel your your heart and your soul. It's just so beautiful. I keep tearing up listening to you. <laughs> <laughs> it's powerful, and I and I love what you're I love what you're doing in the world so much. And um, I, your book sounds really amazing. Tell tell a little bit about your book. So so the the see for people that just see it on the shelf, they don't really get it after. Hearing, like you said, my soul, just imagine 250 pages of that poured out on you. You know, it's written devotional style. And the way it's written, Julie, is you wake up, you read a page, and then you get dressed. And each one of my messages are based on what we're talking about. You know what I mean? You know, what, I, what I'm a firm believer of is no matter what you go through, no matter what you endure, if you look at it from the proper perspective, there's there's good. Yeah. And so my book is about that. You know, people read it and they're like, you know, they read a page and they're like, Mike, did you did, were you reading my mind? And it wasn't the fact that I was reading your mind, but you know, I was re- reading the energy, and I know what it takes. I know what it takes to get through. Um, and the inspiration of my book that, uh, hope, you know, 
is the fact that I I would write and post something on my social media page daily. And a woman that had cancer sent me a message and she was like, you know, Michael, if I could get all of this in one place, I would love it. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I wrote the book. I dedicated it to her. And she was my inspiration. I wrote it for her so she can, rather than going to my Facebook page, she could have the book. But her inspiring me to write it, now the world gets to benefit from what she um, was able to benefit from. Wow, that is so beautiful. How wonderful that you followed through with it like that so that someone can sort of have a piece of you with them in, in this book. If you think yeah. about, um, yeah, like a piece of you, I can just imagine, and and, and I imagine that a lot of people, when they when they have your book and they're and they're reading those pages, they're they have a sense of being able to spend time with you to gain some resiliency and strength from you, from through some of your experiences, and and how are you doing right now, just with everything that's going on in the world? It's just a we're we're experiencing such a global trauma right now. How are you doing personally? What are the things that you do that help you stay strong right now? Well, my message to the world um, is, is I believe that nothing, everything happens for a reason. So during this time, for me, it's been self-reflection. See, my, I had a thriving business in person. I show up to your school. I, 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 I have, you know, this program. We do the program. Everything was, was in person. Right before COVID hit, I went to a conference in L.A. for branding your business, and his main message was global awareness. That's why I'm talking to you today. When I came from the conference, I came home, I got into Google, and I started to get to all the platforms of people like yourself who I felt that our messages were compatible and let me tell you, Julie, I've been on over 75 podcasts since COVID had started. And when I say different platforms, um, your platform, Blended Families, I was on a, uh, a podcast with a guy who trains dogs. I mean, like, you know, some of the, the podcasts I was on, then this one was beautiful. I was on a podcast um, with an Indian gentleman, Hindu. He, I spoke in English. I sent him a recording in English. He translated it to Hindu so his Indian youth could, I mean, oh, that gets, I mean, it's crazy. And so what I've been able to do during COVID, and I think your listeners should do the same, is is self-reflection. Self-reflect, you know, uh, for my adults that are listening, some of us may lose jobs that we had, but you know what? I'm a firm believer that, I read a book called the Dream, um, the Dream Giver, and it talked about how we all are born with with a desire to be something, but we get bullied out of it through life. People will tell you, "Oh, you're not going to make enough money. You can't do that. You can't do this," and you end up going a totally different way, not because you wanted to, but because you got bullied. And so during COVID, I'm like, you know what? Self reflect. And understand when you get back in the workforce, don't go get a paycheck. Get a job that you enjoy doing. You know what I mean? So, you know, that's what I've been doing during COVID. 
I love it. Isn't it amazing how we can, I mean, through technology, we can connect from all over the world. And I mean, I just find that so amazing. I love working globally too, and just connecting with people who are, are all over the world. It, it's just such an amazing thing, isn't it, that we can do that. And yes. I, I love that you talked about the, um, and, and sometimes, you know, I think I know for in my own family, my whole family lost their jobs. <laughs> so it was, you know, it's been a definitely a huge shift. And it's like, this, I think you go through a stage of shock and you go through a stage of, oh my gosh, what do I do now? Because everything is different and you can't go out and get the same kind of work. Um, and I think that there's such a powerful thing that can happen when, when things sometimes feel like they're falling apart. If you can self-reflect like you're talking about and really kind of go down inside and say, what am I supposed to be doing right now? What is my calling? What is my passion? What is it that I do that feels meaningful and fulfilling? And how can I do it differently? And sometimes when we have a pivot in life, it, pivots can sometimes start from a place of, of a really difficult time. That it's like a forced pivot, but sometimes pivots can be really beautiful. And you know, the work that you're doing now is like you're gonna be reaching even more people by doing these global platforms, which is right. such a powerful thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, 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 it's exciting. I mean, when you say global, I, I speak in the UK, um, you know, I, I, I did one in Nigeria, you know, I mean, so yeah, it, it is really, really uh, sometimes overwhelming. <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Yeah, really. So what would you say is, uh, what would you tell somebody are kind of the first steps towards, you know, how do they contact you? What, um, in what ways can you support people out there? Just so that kind of they have a summary of understanding that a little bit. Okay, so... Um, what, what they can do for the book, so this is for your audience, if they want a free copy of the book, if they go to shakethedirtexperience.com, right now I'm giving out a free copy of my book. We'll put that in the show notes for them, though. So shakethedirtexperience.com. Also, what I have is I have an uh, online 10-week challenge, which helps them to get traction start to go through some of these things that I do in my groups that can get them to start thinking through the process of picking up myself and feeling strong. And so they can go to um, shakethedirt.com and then I have my 10-day challenge within, within that, that, um, that platform. But, you know, to, to, to reach out to me, I have uh, michaelarterberry.com, which is my motivational speaking. I have a nonprofit which is um, youthvoicescenter.org, where I do my youth work. But I want people, you know, my social media, we'll put my name, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, you know. Um, and I'm the type of guy where you send me a message, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm cool like, I, like we are talking now. You send me a message, I respond, I interact with my followers, you know. Um, you know, I'm, 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 I'm really just that guy off the block. You know, I, I haven't changed, you know what I mean? So that's a beautiful, that's, that's really generous of you to offer your book for free like that. And I, I definitely highly recommend people check out the, and we're going to give all the links so that you can just click on and find everything that Michael's talking about. I, I think that's really beautiful. You are such a beautiful human and I want people to know about you and I want them to connect with you. Is there anything else that you want to make sure that we share today? You know, um, I, I, I write I write in my third page of my book, and I'm going to just share this with you. 
Um, Short-term thinkers plant gardens. Long-term thinkers plant trees. Eternity-minded thinkers plant themselves and the souls of others. You know, when I wrote that, Julie, what I'm saying is we should make it our business that once we finish interacting with a person, that when we leave them, they feel like they like what what just hit me. You know what I mean? What just hit me? You know, I don't go out of my way. You know, you said you tears and all that. Believe me, I don't like go into a closet and say I'm gonna make Julie emotional. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But but there's a certain way that I carry myself so that I present that to people. But if we all did that on an individual level, what kind of world could we have, Julie? You know what I'm saying? So I want to leave that with your listeners. Let's let's live a conscious life and leave people different because they've been exposed to us for whatever limited time that it could be. Wow, that is beautiful. And I am so just I'm so happy that you are doing what you're doing in the world and I and you are a great example I talk a lot about the concept of sensitive empowerment but what that really means is into my community is I mean you're a great example of empowerment in terms of taking what you've been through in life and using that as your base for strength and resiliency to be able to share with others and you you are so genuine and so real and 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 I certainly feel that's why I keep tearing up because I just I feel like I'm feeling you as you're talking and you know I think that that really does come through a lot and I'm so excited for my audience to have a chance to know you and I really encourage them to check out all your website and everything that you're doing because I think you're doing wonderful things in the world and I'm just very pleased to have had time with you today. You, you're a very, your, your soul and your, your just whole being is very beautiful and touching and it, it feels good to be with you. So I really thank you for sharing yourself today with me and with my audience. And I definitely encourage people to, to spend time with you, to do what they can to spend time with you because I can tell that you have a lot of gifts to share. And thank just you. thank you. Thank you for who you are in the world. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so this has just been so much fun to talk with you and I'd love to stay connected with you. Yes, yes, let's do that. Let's just stay connected. Um come follow me on uh find me, you know, on the on the platforms and uh anytime, you know, something jumps up on your blip, you know, that you just reach out, Julie. I mean I'm 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 you know what I mean? I'm not just talking, I mean it. Yeah, I feel it. I feel it from you. And I really encourage everyone listening to reach out to you and check out everything you're doing. That 10 week, that 10 week challenge sounds kind of amazing. So thank you so much for who you are in the world and for sharing yourself with the world. Um, I'm just really happy that we had a chance to be together today. So thank you. Okay.